You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org. My question today for you is, what do you want to be free from? I think we all come to church hoping sometimes, praying, maybe sometimes we feel like I just got to get back to church, maybe that's today, maybe that's you who's made that confession somewhere along the line and says, I just got to get back to church. I just got to get back in that building. If I get back in there, you know, things will turn around. And I, I believe that can be true because when you get to a place where the anointing's there, there's worship, there's prayer, I feel, I feel, I know, I should say better, that it can get you back on that right path. I've been there, I've, I've done that. And so church is a great place to start, to refresh, to hit the, hit the refresh button is, is a better way. Maybe you need a, a do-over in your life. I know I've, I've talked about this before. My, when my brother and I used to play games when we were a little kid, we'd play hockey, soccer, football, baseball. We'd get, get against each other. A lot of times one of us would, would mess up, and we would claim, we need a do-over. You remember doing that when you were a kid? And so you got a do-over, and you just got to start fresh. And everything else that was there before didn't count, didn't matter. And so maybe today that God has spoke to you about something and what you want to be free from, I guess my advice for you today is a little bit of you get a do-over. And so the thing is, with, as being a Christian, when you're, when you're part of uh, the kingdom of God, your do-over doesn't mean you have to struggle and strive and do all these great things to 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 get back to where you once were in a relationship with God because your relationship with God through what he did for us on the cross has always been perfect because it's in your spirit. It's that spirit man. So my hope for you today is no matter where you're at, no matter where your walk is with God, where you're, what you're feeling today, I want you to know that God has the ability to do anything in your life. And one thing he can do is transform you, restore you, all those things. So I encourage you today and I know there's people here today that says, I just got to get back to church. Uh, I'm encouraging you that. This is a good start. And this allow today's message maybe, and then allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you, and then get involved more and more. It's the Word of God that's going to transform our lives. And how is the Word of God going to transform our lives? Because through our born-again spirit, which has been planted on the inside of us, allows us to understand the Word now and move forward. That's what it does. So here's the thing. Knowledge is powerful, is it not? People want to talk about knowledge. We send our kids off to college, why? So people can fill them up with knowledge. And knowledge is a good thing. The right knowledge can set you free, or the wrong information can keep you in bondage. Also, a lack of knowledge, which ignorance, can keep you stuck as well. So if you are in, have a lack of knowledge, if you're ignorant of what's already happened or what, what the things that are going on in your life, you're going to be stuck as well. So to follow Christ consistently, you need to know that you, what you know, that 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 you know. That's what you need to know. You need to know that. No matter what is coming down your path, no matter what people have been saying about you, no matter what you feel of yourself, you need to know that you know what God has already done for you. You need to know that you know that you know that your spirit has been changed. You need to know that you know that you know that the weight and guilt of sin and condemnation isn't going to keep you down forever if you, if you just point yourself back to Christ. 
A lot of times we, we get caught up in this, we're doing everything wrong and we focus on that. That's good. If you're doing stuff wrong, stop doing it. Stop. But it's the power and presence of the Holy Spirit that's going to allow you to recognize that and then move freely away from that. If you don't know what's already been done for you through Jesus, you'll, be, you'll default back to yourself. How many people have ever done that? Default back to yourself. That's a, I think that's a natural thing for us, even as born-again, spirit-filled believers who have been Christians and following after God our whole lives. When things go wrong, how can I fix this? We default back to ourselves. And it's the enemy, Satan, who is the liar, the big liar. He's the one who is sending, born again, he's sending spirit-filled believers false messages of who they are not. And he's trying to trick us into following ourselves. That's what he's saying. That's what he said to Adam and Eve. He said basically, uh, if you eat that, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. He says, just, just go ahead and eat it because you know what? You'll be like God and then you'll understand things. And it's, it's, it was a lie right from the beginning. And so we know that the enemy's been trying to, trying to trick us up, trying to lie to us. He's trying to keep us down from the beginning of time. And here's the thing you remember. In Matthew 16, you can see a great example of what happened to Peter in, in, in one scripture. Jesus says, who do you say I am? And he says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And he says, you know what? God in heaven revealed that to you, Peter. So Peter listened to the spirit and he made a decision. And what do we see in the same chapter just a little bit later? A big rebuke from Jesus. He says, get behind me, Satan. The things you're talking about are the, your own words. See how that works? One minute, we're using that spirit of God to give us revelations, and the next time we default back to our own words. And either way, Jesus is saying, this, he, the spirit is with you, and, and reveal it to you. But in the same, same little story, we see that Peter decided he was going to just do his own thing and speak from his own mind, and Jesus says, you can't do that. So that's the thing. And that's not causing us to slip up and, and move away from God in, in the sense that he no longer loves us. It's just the matter of fact that when we do the things of God and we listen to what he has to say, we're going to speak words from him. And when we do the things that we've naturally done all along, we'll default back to ourselves and we'll speak words that don't line up with what, what God wants or what God says. And here's the thing, the world's getting darker in, in many areas, as we know, right? If you look around the world, but we can put a huge negative spin on that or we can look at it as Christians in a spin that says, well, if the world's getting darker darker and we feel like the gaps between the church and the real world are getting wider and wider, you can look at it and say, well, eventually that light is going to shine so bright on the kingdom of God and, and Jesus that people are going to move towards that. I've been watching a lot of news programs lately, and it's amazing some of the people they have been having on there, and that they've been interviewing them, and they've been preaching the word of God, asking presidential candidates, what's your favorite scripture? And allowing them to speak on national TV. I'm thinking, this is what I'm talking about. The light of Jesus is going to shine brighter and brighter. It's going to get to a point, people, where you're going to be like, that is the only way. So if you're struggling with your walk or whatever, just know that there's a different answer to what the things of the world say. Don't get caught up in all the darkness and all the, the misery. Those are things that are important, and we need to do as Christians is fight against that stuff. But focus on the light. Focus on Jesus. And I tell you what, people, your family members, your friends, they're coming around. They are. They're seeing the light, so to speak. They're coming around. 
And so shine bright as Christians. That's our job, to allow the Holy Spirit to work through us and shine bright in the kingdom of God and attract. I remember we, when I growing up in Canada, we had a, well, those big bug zappers at our cabin, right? Bzzzt. That's what it was like. It's big old dark, and it would just start attracting stuff, except when you, the light of God's not going to zap you. It's going to attract you and love you. But it's kind of the same thing. The light is going to shine brighter. Light always expels darkness. This is a dark room. We f- flip on a switch. It gets light in here. You can see. And that's what the kingdom of heaven does. And it's getting brighter and brighter. As the world gets darker and darker at one end, the kingdom is going to get brighter and brighter. There's going to be a big line drawn in the sand, and you're going to have that choice. What do I want to follow after? And even as Christians, we choose sometimes to follow after the things of the world. Stop doing that. You have a whole game plan. You have a whole GPS system. You have the same spirit that raised Christ that living on the inside of you. Call upon the name of the Lord every time and make the right decisions. The kingdom will shine bright. Maybe you are here today trying to live life in the middle, like I said. Use the analogy of a picket fence. My grandma had a picket fence growing up, and we'd kick the soccer ball into the other, into the other yard, and we'd have to climb over. And the problem was the fence was about this tall, and my legs were about this tall. So there's a dilemma. I didn't want to get caught on the fence. Does that make sense? You ever been caught on top of a fence? It's not very fun. It's painful. And that's kind of what it's like in trying to live with both feet, one in each world. You're just hung up there, and it's painful. Just put your foot back on side of the Lord and stay on that side of the fence. And there's a whole universe out there that many Christians, most of the world, and many Christians aren't aware of. That's the spirit world. And a lot of times we think it's just the spirit realm out here, which is true. The things that are going on in the spirit realm is, is amazing. We can't see those things. And sometimes maybe, maybe someone here has had an experience where they've got a glimpse into that and just seen awesome things that are happening that you can't see with the naked eye. But what we, what we forget sometimes is there's a spirit world on the inside of you. It's that spirit realm on the inside of you. It's the spirit man that lives on the inside of us that we forget about. He's in you. Jesus Christ is living on the inside of us through the person of the Holy Spirit. I can never express that enough. I cannot, every time I go preach the message to kids, to the nursing home, I go out to Prairie Ridge, I go anywhere. It's the Spirit of God that resonates, that lives, that breathes, that moves on the inside of the believer that allows us to move away from our sinful life, our sinful past, our mistakes, whatever you want to call them, and move towards glory. I love what Paul says. I think it's in Philippians 3 where he says, I haven't reached perfection, but I'm heading there. I'm shooting for it. I was a D.C. student in high school. The, number re- the reason why? Because I shot for C's. I'm like, that's just perfect. And it cost me down the road in my life. Yeah, you can laugh if you want because I'm 47 now, so I look at my transcript and I'm like, well, who is this guy? But the reason is I didn't shoot for A's. If you shoot for A's and end up with C's, I'm okay with that because you did the best you can. And that's what Paul is saying. Shoot for perfection. You're going to fail. You'll trip up. But perfection is out there. And who is perfection? It's the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. The perfection he's talking about is spiritual maturity. We're always moving in the direction of God. Pursue that. Pursue righteousness. I'll probably get to my first scripture now that I got up there. It said in Genesis 1.26... Let's create man, get this, 
I've read this scripture, I don't know how many times, in our image. I always thought it said, let's make us man in my image. This is God. But you know what? He had us covered from the beginning. He's saying, let's make you in our image. Well, who's the our? Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ, Holy Spirit, God, all three of them. He says, I'm going to make you in the image of us. That takes on a whole different revelation for me. Because you know what? God was here. He walked earth. He was there with Adam and Eve. He created everything. And then Jesus came and he walked earth and he died and rose again. And who did he send us? The Holy Spirit. So God had the Holy Spirit planned for each and every one of us for before the beginning of the time. He's a smart God. He knew it was going to go down. He had to figure it out. And even Jesus said to the disciples on earth, I have to leave because you're not getting it the way God wants you to get it. He says, so I'm going to leave because I was going to die at a planned time in history. And when I do leave, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. I'm going to send you something just like me. He says, I'm going to send you a new kind of me. That's what he was telling the disciples. Not something different. Not something less. Not the JV team of the kingdom of heaven. He says, I'm going to send you the best of the best, myself. And I'm going to send it to you in the person of the Holy Spirit. But even when we were changed, we were still made in the image of God. What I mean by that is even when you sin or you mess up, you're still created in the image of God. That's the hard part for some people to get by. It's like when we make mistakes or we mess up, that we're somehow we've, we're not what God sees us anymore. And God sees us because he made us in his image. So if you're here today and you're, you're down on your luck or you, you're in the midst of your worst time in life, God sees you as he sees himself. You were made in his image. That's amazing. Think about that. You look in the mirror, you see something that you created, and God's like, that's not who I created. There's a better way for you. So if it's your freedom in Christ, which is one of no guilt, one of no shame, one of no condemnation, that allows us to walk free from our sins. If you're born again, it's time that you take your position of authority in the kingdom of heaven. That's what he's telling us in, in scriptures. We're going to read through Romans 6. And Romans 6, just read all of Romans. If you read 5, 6, 7, and 8, you'll be blown away. I pulled it out last night again, and I said, I'm going to read through this again. And I was just like writing stuff. I'm like, stop. It's too much. It's too much for my little pea brain to comprehend in one night of reading four chapters of Romans. Dive into it. It's an amazing chapter. It completely, it'll blow you away. It'll set you free because it, it just keeps telling you that you are not slaves to these things that have, that have dragged you down and pulled you down for so long. You're not a slave to that. You may do that, but you're not a slave to it. That's not who you are anymore. And it's an amazing, it's an amazing book. And so what I, but if you look back at Psalm 51, 15, it does say this. What does it say? For I was born a sinner, yes, from the moment my mother conceived me. Okay, that's because of what Adam and Eve did, that our nature was changed. God created us in his image, and when Adam and Eve failed, they were, their nature was changed to one of a sin nature. So the psalmist is saying this, I was born a sinner. It's true. You were born into sin. You were born not perfect. You were born with the nature to sin. That's all unbelievers. If you're an unbeliever here today, your nature is to sin because you have not been transformed by Jesus Christ. If you're a Christian here today, you no longer have a sin nature because you now have the nature of the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. 
To have both would be schizophrenic. It would be war on the inside. There's no war on the inside of your spirit. None. You've been set free by the blood of Jesus Christ. And it's Father God that renews us and restores us from the inside out. Because we're made in his image. Remember that. Look in the mirror today, tomorrow when you go to bed and say, man, that's not the person that I once was. I've really gone off the deep end or I'm just not living the way God has planned for me. And, and know that that image you see in the mirror is not the image of God. And know, know that the image of God is firmly planted on the inside of you. That's an amazing thing. You've got to tell yourself this stuff. I have to tell myself that, this every day. I have to remind myself on a daily basis who I am and whose I am. It never gets old. Because you walk out the door, you turn on the TV, they're going to tell you you're not. They're going to tell you that all these different things that are going on in the world, that's the way America's headed. That's how a Christian's just going to have to compromise and fit in. I'm here to tell you, God never created us for that. He created us to worship him and follow him. And wherever that follows you, wherever that takes you, is going to be awesome. It might not always be comfortable at times, but God's not going to lead you into something that's going to cause you to die unless you go somewhere and they martyr you. I don't think that's going to happen at the Mason City School system. I love Jesus, and then they stone you in front of the flagpole, and we go rally around the flagpole. You might be looked at funny by your friends. You might be pointed at. But if that is the height of your persecution here in America, we got it pretty good. Let's read Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. If you have your Bibles, you can look at them, or you can follow along. Because two scriptures today I'm going to look at. Ephesians 2, 1 through 10, and Romans, first part of Romans. Ephesians 2, 1 through 10 says this, and you, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air. The spirit is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. Flesh, body, and mind. Those are three key words right there. And we're by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. Okay? Pretty gloomy there, it says. This is who you were, he's saying. But you know what it says in verse 4? Sometimes the greatest line in Scripture is, but God. But, he says, but God, who is what? Rich in mercy, because of the great love which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated us with him. Being seated is a sign of rest. When you are seated with Father God in the heavenly places, that's a sign of rest. You're resting with him. Resting is just not laying on the couch watching football afternoon, although that could happen in my house. That is not resting in the Lord. Resting in the Lord is just sitting and, and letting him speak to you and just realizing that he wants to. And he goes on to say, in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages we might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it's a gift of God, not a result of works, so that you can boast. And he says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. You're his workmanship, and you're recreated in Christ Jesus. Not created, you were created by mom and dad, but when you became a born-again believer, you had a new birth, right? And you were created in his workmanship, in Christ Jesus. If that's not freeing for some of us who are struggling with the good and the evil in our lives, it has to have some sort of, has to resonate a little bit. 
Because if you're trying and trying and trying on your own strength and using all your willpower to, to come out from underneath your sin and your problems, you're just going to keep failing and failing because it's too hard. But when you understand that God doesn't see you that way and then he loves you for who you are because you've received his great gift of salvation, you can say, this isn't me. I can look in the mirror and say, that's not the image of God and I can walk from out from underneath the guilt and condemnation of sin. And when I can walk out from under the guilt and condemnation of all that stuff, then I can move away from it. That's what Father God does for us. He doesn't heap all that stuff on us because we've already had that. How many people have ever felt guilt, shame, and condemnation? It does nothing for you. It keeps you up at night. It's the love and mercy of Christ that he's already done for us. I like what it says in in verse 6. Our victory in the Christian life is dependent on our dependency on Christ, not ourselves. That's what I wrote down there. Your victory is dependent not on ourselves, but being dependent on Christ. There's nothing more frustrating than try to live for Christ. Instead, we need to recognize our weakness and let Christ live through us. You know, we can, we can love God with all our heart, all our soul, and all our mind. We can do that. It can get frustrating at times because we think, I'm, I'm just trying, I'm just trying. But God's saying, just, just rest in me. Know that, know that I have you. I had you in the, since the beginning of time. You were made in my image. And he says, with, with that different mindset, you can do these things. Ephesians 2, 6 says, made us sit. That's that sign of rest. Ephesians 1, 20 says, he raised us up. Ephesians 2, 1 and 5 says, he quickened us. What does quicken mean? He's, he just brought us into his realm. Instantly, he brought us there. Adam and Eve said this in, in Genesis, uh, excuse me, we're talking about Adam and Eve before. He, he says, if you eat from this thing, you will surely die. That's what he said in Genesis, you remember? If you eat from, the, from that tree, you will surely die. And what happened to them? Did they die physically? No. They died spiritually first, and then eventually they died physically. Now, here's the thing. If we're born into sin, we were born into death. And then now, as we become born-again Christians, we are born again alive spiritually, and now that from our spiritual standpoint, because we have a new spirit on the inside of us, now we can live it out physically. It'll change your body. It'll change your mind. It'll change the way you act. Does that make sense? Adam and Eve, perfect. They decided to go against what God had for them. They failed. And spiritually, they were dead. And eventually, they died physically. And Father God says, we come into this world dead spiritually. He says, because of Jesus Christ, I'm going to renew you spiritually. You come alive spiritually, and now you can tackle the things of the flesh, the things in your physical life. That's what he says. That's the proper order. If you're not born again or you're not utilizing what God has already done for you, you're going to continue to struggle in that thing because you're trying to fix everything on your own. Recognize your problems. Recognize the situation and allow God to clean you up from inside out. That's the proper order. Um, And I'm going to skip ahead here. It's warm up under the lights, and I decided to wear a jacket today. So, see, many Christians, uh, and maybe you fall into this camp because I know I did at one time, many Christians have, brought, have been taught to believe that after salvation, and salvation is nothing missing and nothing broken, and you're given now the freedom to pursue Christ. That's what salvation is. Salvation is just not an experience where you, where you accept the Lord, and then that's it and you wait to die and go to heaven. I've preached that many times from up here. Salvation is a daily experience, and you walk out your salvation. And your salvation is, is nothing missing, nothing broken in your spirit. And then 
Because of that, you're allowed to pursue Christ in freedom. Freedom to live in, in Christ. But what happens is Christians sometimes think that we're still at the core, dirty, rotten sinners. Okay, that might throw a wave into some of you guys, but that's not your spirit. We do sin, we do mess up, we do make mistakes, but that's not your spirit. That's not the core of who you are. And like I said before, there's not two warring spirits on the inside of you. You know, there's not the angel and the devil over here going, do it, do it, do it. Don't, don't, don't. You know? That's your mind might be playing tricks on you, but that's not your spirit. Your spirit's not down there. You know, you don't go home and take some Maalox today because you're like, man, I just got a war in the spirit today. Am I, I got an upset stomach. You don't do that because the spirit is perfect. It's training up the rest of your body. That's the fun, right? That's the, that's the fun part, allowing the spirit of God to come out and work on the rest of your life. And when we get that spirit uh, inside of us, that, that Holy Spirit, then we can work on our mind and we can renew our mind to the Word of God and the things of God. And then when we do that, it allows a, our actions to follow suit. But if we're renewing our mind to the things that are not of God, then our actions, our body, is going to do the things not of God. So two-thirds of us are, are doing the opposite of God. The Holy Spirit is still on the inside. All right? There's three, three parts. Spirit, soul, which is your mind, and then the body, your flesh. And that's it. And the spirit's perfect. It's just training the rest of yourself up in the way of the Lord to get it done right. Romans 6 says this. And I love what it says in my Bible. And I looked in three different Bibles, and the heading in the Bible said this, before Romans 6, sin's power is broken. Now, if there are people here that are caught up in sin in your life, you don't feel like sin's power has been broken. In the natural, it hasn't. But in, on the spirit, because of our new nature, our power, that power has been broken. So let's read Romans 6. It says, well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that when you were joined with Christ, Jesus, in baptism, we joined him in death? For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Since we have been united with him in his death, we also will be raised to life as he was. We know that our old sinful, sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. For when we died with him, like I said, we were set free from the power of sin. And since we died with Christ, we know, we know we also live with him. There's twofold. It's just not laying over here saying, I'm free. It's living now in him. We are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead, and he will never die again. Death no longer has any power over him. When we died, he died once to break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. So you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. That's a change in the spirit. What Paul is doing here, as you read through Romans, he's talking to these people and, he, and he's, he's pointing in the back. He's saying, okay, this is what's been done for you. This is what has been given to you. And so he, he goes on to say, and we look back at verse 1, he says this, and I like how it says in the King James Version, shall we continue to sin that grace may abound? He says, God forbid. Why would we do that, he says. No, that's not what I'm saying, Paul is saying. Just because I've given you this 
that God has given you this great gift of mercy and grace, it's not so you can just live and deliberately go on, off and sin and live your own life. That's not what he's saying. He says it three times in chapter 6. No, that's not what I'm saying. And if you go back and look at, at the phrase God forbid in the old language, that's about as strong a thing as you could say. He'd be like saying, heck no. H-E double hockey sticks. He's saying it. He's saying something really strong here. No, that's not what I'm saying. And if you read through the scripture, he's saying it's not so that you can have more and more grace and mercy so that you can go do what you want to do and continue in that life. He's saying it's because of this great mercy that the power of sin has been broken in your life and now you can walk out of your sin and into new life. That's what he's saying. The Holy Spirit now gives us the power to overcome in our lives. And it's from the inside out. And I love how he says, God forbid. No, I'm not saying that. Don't do that. No. I think if you look at Paul's life, he was never in that camp. He was always pointing people back to Christ. You look in the New Testament, there's six or seven books that I, that I looked at, and the first line says, Jude or Peter or Paul, slaves to Christ. Total submission to Christ. Total. That's what a slave is. You were submitted to your master. But it wasn't, it's not a back-breaking submission. It's a joyful submission. It's saying, you know what, I can't do this on my own. I'm going to allow you to do it. And that's what he's saying in the book of Romans, that that sin's power has been broken. Now, if you're sitting here today and you're like, man, I'm still stuck in a lot of junk. Who are you following after? Are you following after yourself? Because what, what, what sin is is just a selfish way of saying, I want to do it my way. It's self-centeredness. And when we can take off ourself and put on the new man, what Paul says, then we can walk in that new life. Everyone's going to make mistakes. Everyone's going to mess up. Everyone's going to sin. It's going to happen. But the de degree of how you get out of it and the degree of how you lessen it is how much time are we spending in the presence of God. If you're in the presence of God a lot, above average, you know, your time to, to get suck back into your old life or into, into something new is going to be less and less. Because you know what? If you're in the presence of God, you cannot be in the presence of evil. There's one or the other. I'm either heading towards Jesus and I'm clinging to the cross or I'm clinging to the world and I'm heading that direction. I said it before. A dead fish will float downstream. You as Christians, we need to be going upstream, away from everything that's dead and floating downstream. And there's no condemnation, there's no guilt. It says that in Romans 8.1, for those who are in Christ Jesus. And that's a, that's a major thing that we need to understand. So if you're deliberately sinning, I got some two words for you. Stop it. Right, Jason? Stop it. Stop. Don't do it anymore. And, and I guarantee you, before the law was even given, before the Ten Commandments were even were given, people were making mistakes. And the law was given to the, to the people to point them to their mistakes. The law, the Ten Commandments, never was there to save you or keep them free from their sins. It pointed, say, look it, you can't even keep these ten. Good luck to you. And if you fail in one of them, you fail in them all. That's what he's saying. And so Jesus needed to come and die for us so that we can move past the, the law, which was never given to, to anybody but the Jewish nation anyway, and move into a new relationship with Christ. He says, I'm going to plant myself on the inside of you. That's what he says. I can never say that enough. 
The Apostle Paul reminds us of what we possess, God on the inside of us. He reminds us of what we own, a blood covenant, a new covenant with the Father. That's something amazing right there. Look at all the things that God has done for us in our lives. Just think about them. Go home and write them down today. Not even your own physical things. Like I prayed for a car or prayed for a job and he gave me those things. Those are awesome. Go back and write down what he has done for you regardless of your selfish desires. And I call them selfish even though we need stuff and I pray for things all the time. But they, in the whole grand scheme of things, our selfish desires that he's given us at times are nothing compared to what he's given us in the kingdom, given us in the word, given us in our spirit. That's what we forget sometimes. Paul said that we once were baptized into Christ, we experienced a death to our old sin nature. It's gone, it's dead. Romans 6, 3 says, or do we know that as many of us were baptized into Christ, were baptized into his death? See how they, they talk about that? We had the baptismal up here, and that's a sign, that outward expression, of which, which you've already confessed in your side, in, inside of you. So you go down, and you come up with new life. It's just an expression. Being baptized isn't uh, make you a Christian. It's just confirming that that's what I believe. And I want to show you people. I want to show my, my fellow citizens of the kingdom of heaven. I believe it. And when I go down in that baptism, I'm saying I'm taking all this old junk that used to haunt me and keep me down, and I'm coming back up, and I'm going to live for Jesus and whatever he says. That's what it's saying. It's a baptism of your death and in the new life in Christ. And that's what it means to be baptized with him. I think sometimes when Paul was talking about that, he wasn't always talking about a water baptism. He was just using the analogy to say, you're dead, now you're alive. Just like that. But you still have to walk it out in our lives. Christians still sin. Paul made mention of this in the very chapter, and he dealt with it in, Romans, uh, in chapter 7, Romans. Read that. It's great. The only reason we still sin is because we don't know these truths about ourselves. True Christianity is understanding you've had a change of heart and it's not observing a set of rules. You can see how in the Old Testament, the people, and even in, when we look into the Gospels and into the New Testament, people were still trying to observe rules and they failed. And Paul would come back and say, stop. He's already come. He's already died. He's already rose again. You've already accepted that in your life. Now live according to what the word says. That's what Paul was always saying. He was always reminding people of that. John 8.32 says, And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Who's the truth? That's Jesus Christ. And the revelation of Jesus is played out in the true word of God. That's where you find Jesus. In the pages of the word of God. You see him there. Where else do you see Jesus besides the New Testament and the Gospels? You see him in the Old Testament. Read through the Testament. You will find Jesus there all the time. We just saw a scripture in Genesis 1.26. Let's make them in our image. Bam, there we go. Jesus right there in the Old Testament. He's littered throughout the Old Testament. And Jesus probably picked up that, that gospel. I shouldn't say probably. Definitely he picked up that Bible. And he found himself in there. And he realized, man, this is me. I think he ran off to school one day. Like, what would you do on your summer vacation? Well, I went to Mount Rushmore. What did you do on your summer vacation? Yeah, I found out I'm the savior of the world. Oh, nice to know you. You know, he wasn't that type of person until he was filled with the Holy Spirit, baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit, and then he said, I'm here. I'm going to preach the truth. And he preached some tough messages to the religious people who wanted to keep the laws and do everything on their own. And those people that wanted to keep a finger on other people. He preached a tough message to him. He says, you can't do this. 
He says, you need to deny yourself. Pick up your cross, follow me. He said those things to him, which is great. And he even said that to disciples and people who wanted to follow him. Deny yourself. That's what I talked about two weeks ago. And we see later on, and it wasn't until the book of Acts that they could actually deny themselves because they were given somebody new, the Holy Spirit. So if we're trying to deny ourselves, and I, and I struggle with this at times too, but I'm trying to deny myself on my old strength, you fail. But Jesus, because of his death, and God has given us the gift of the Holy Spirit, he says, now because you receive me, you receive that Holy Spirit, three acts, boom, filled, and as you go on through the book of Acts, they did amazing things. I think it's Acts 13, uh, 51. Yeah, 13, 51. It says the disciples shook the dust off their feet and they went on. And then it says, in 52, I think it says, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, were they already filled with the Holy Spirit? Yes. But what they were saying is, man, they got rejected, they got beat up, they got booted out of town. And what did they do? Did they whine, complain, and give up? No. They said, Give me another filling, Father God. I got stuff to do. And they got filled up again. Man, I read that yesterday again, too. And I was like, whoa, I didn't even see that one before. I'm telling you, I'm getting revelations here, Dev. <laughs> it's actually because I'm reading the Bible. Isn't that amazing? When you read the Bible, you get all these new revelations of who you are and what he's already done for you. And our minds are similar to computers. You've got to reprogram them, right? If you don't reprogram them, it's not going to work. But what do you program them with? You know, we've got apples here at our church, and we don't try to reprogram them with with Microsoft 87 or whatever the first one that ever came out. Jason might try to do that. He could probably figure it out. I can't. You reprogram to what's new and what's better. And that's what we have to do. We renew ourselves to the word of God, Romans 12 too. Ephesians 4.23, I'm going to read a couple of scriptures. Ephesians 4.23-24 says, Be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which, is recre- which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. If you need to put on the new man... There must mean there was an old man. And that new man is created according to God. In true righteousness and holiness. That's who you are on the spirit. That's who you are on the inside. Get a picture of that. Broke, busted, and disgusted. You're feeling down. You feel like there's nothing going on in your life. You're stuck in addiction, whatever it is. And when I'm talking addiction, it's just not drugs and alcohol. There's a zillion addictions you could be addicted to. But that's not you in the spirit. And it's only because of the love and mercy and, and grace of Jesus Christ that you can recognize that and walk out of that. The Holy Spirit will do a mighty work in your life. But you have to invite him in. And then you have to ask him to continually fill you over and over again. It says in the, in the Bible, don't be drunk with wine. It says... Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be being filled is what it means. Continuously. Basically what he's saying is, that you think it's fun getting drunk? Get drunk in the Holy Spirit. That's way more fun. And you wake up feeling a lot better. And it doesn't cause you any misery. Alcohol has only caused destruction in my life. Not one good thing has ever come out of it. But I tell you what, being filled and overpowered and drunk in the Spirit has created a whole new life for me. And I see people out here today that it's created a whole new life for. Paul called this resurrection life when we're talking about being the new man. Resurrection life means something was new. That means something must have died. You've died, and you've been born again into a new life. 
Jason, I'm about done here. I got one more thing. So let's just finish with that. I'll pick it up another time. So here's the thing. But you look back in, and through the scriptures, and you look back through the gospels, and you read the commands that Jesus gave. Follow me. Come after me. Drop what you're doing and pursue me. Man, that's amazing. Those are great things. He's saying, I want you to be a full-fledged follower of me. And I think back and I'm like, yeah, that's what I want. That's what I want to do. That's what I want to do on a daily basis. I want to follow after you. But then I follow after this over here. And he's like, come back. Come back to me. So if you don't understand the person of the Holy Spirit, you don't understand that power, if you don't feel like, if you think it's just two people of the Trinity and the third guy is just like lost, he's out there, he's the crazy uncle that comes to the reunion once a year. That's not who he is. He's the same person. Genesis 1.26 said, you were, we'll create you in our image. Capital O, you are. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And as I've told you a hundred times here before, God sent Jesus. Jesus came and died and he left. And he put the person of the Holy Spirit inside of you, the believer. And when you allow the person of the Holy Spirit to live through you, the word will come to new life. The things that seem so real and awesome and great, those things of the flesh, will come, they'll turn stupid. It says it'll, it'll grow strangely dim. The things of this world will, will grow strangely dim. Isn't that a song they sing? I'm not, didn't grow up with the hymns and all that stuff, so I don't know them all, but I'm pretty sure we sang it here before. And how do the things of the world become strangely dim? Because you allow the light of the world to shine brightly from the inside out. Amen? Let's pray. If you want to take communion today, we do take here by what we call intinction, is by taking a cracker and dipping it in the juice. Uh, we don't pick up the cup and drink. If you do that, you need to stay till the end of the second service and you can go to town. All right? I grew up in the Catholic, I grew up in the Catholic Church and we drank. And so we dip. And so, and here's the thing. There's another, there's another, not a better example of what Jesus did for you than communion. You're coming up here and you're saying, I receive you, Father God. I've already received you, Father God. And I thank you for what you've done in me. And you're reminding yourself that it's just not you by yourself trying to get through life. It's because of the death and the resurrection and your acceptance of that and your belief in that, your confession of your mouth and the belief in your heart, and you are saved is what it says. And now when you come up and you take communion, you're telling everybody, just like being baptized, I'm going to walk out my salvation. So come up here free. Don't come up here thinking I'm condemned. You come up here, if there's something that you're dealing with and you're struggling with and you have a problem, there's some sin in your life, there's an issue in your life, there's some things in your life that are just hammering on you, you come up today and you dip that thing and you say, Father God, it's gone in Jesus' name. Thank you for removing that and I'm going to live for you today. Amen? Amen. Father God, we thank you so much for your Holy Spirit. Father, we thank you that you completed your work on the cross and you went to heaven for us, Father God. We thank you that you created us in your image. And Father, I speak to those here today as they look in the mirror right now, this morning even, they, they didn't see what they wanted to see. But Father, I thank you that you're speaking to their hearts right now, that you assure them that in you, you see them as perfect. You see them as whole. You see them as set free. You see them as blameless. You see them without guilt. You see them without condemnation, Father God. And I thank you that you're speaking that into their life right now. Father, I lift each and every one up here that struggles with depression or loneliness 
Father God, I thank you that you are a true friend and you speak to them today about who they are and how much they are loved. And Father, I thank you for those today, Father, who are walking out of their sin right now and into new life because of your freedom, your mercy, your joy that you have for them. And Father God, as we go forth, we thank you that we are created in your image and we can do all things through your great Son who has given us strength. Father, we thank you for the Holy Spirit. We thank you for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We thank you for the refilling of the Holy Spirit as much as we ask for it. And Father, we thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information about Praise Community Church, including gathering times and events, please visit us at praisecc.org.